podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. All right, welcome to the Bosco Boys. We're back for another full episode. We're back in town. We're back home from Atlanta. Um, we got a nice one for you today. How's it going, Scott? It's going well. I'm super excited for our second full-length pod. Uh, if you didn't see on social media, we have a special guest that's going to join us later. We do. We're going to have KSU underscore fan. He's going to be joining us later in the episode. We're going to talk about the season, what we need to do in the off season, and what exactly next season is going to look like. So let's just get it going, man. What beer do you have yep. for us today? Yeah, so the... Uh... Beer of the Pod comes to us from Casual Animal Brewing Company. It's the newest brewery to debut down in the Kansas City Crossroads District. It is called Hop the Fence. It is a dry hop lager, and I'm a massive fan of it. Super crisp and gives you a little bit of the hops at the end of it. It's pretty good. Not too hoppy. Nice and refreshing. Um, if you're not a hoppy IPA kind of type of person, this is probably a good alternative. Yep, I agree, and uh, it's it, ha- it has uh, great artwork down there. They do all original artwork, and the artwork is actually a lion hopping over the fence to rob a home run, and I thought it was, you know, <laughs> topical with the uh, Royals kicking off the season today. Go Royals. I'm going to have to tune in. I'm going to have to tune in a little uh, harder than I have in the past, but I'll try to get to some games this year. I'm looking forward to it. Anyways... Yeah, um, uh, let's get started. What are we going to talk about? I think we're going to do our, our special segment, Key to V, and I'll let you go ahead and take it first. Yeah, so uh, we, we got some Keys to V, the basketball offseason. Uh, before we dive into that, I do want to give our listeners one quick shout-out before we dive into the meat and potatoes. You guys absolutely went to town on Kellis K-Dog Robinette on Twitter. He still has no... <laughs> He has no idea why everyone keeps asking him, does he really wear socks with sandals? So that was a lot of fun. Uh, we, we aren't going to put anyone in the doghouse today, but, uh, you know, that was a lot of fun. And I look forward to keeping that going throughout the life of this pod. Uh, so without further ado, the uh, keys to V this off season. So number one I put on there is finalize the roster. So for those of you who, keep up with K-State basketball recruiting. They know that we already have one signee for the 2018 class. Williams, he's a guard, borderline rivals top 150 guy. Uh, So obviously with that one, you're going to have to find a roster spot for him uh, to take over. Someone is going to have to leave this team. And we're also actively pursuing Trice, a a Juco transfer forward who's a real banger on the boards, high energy guy. I would say, you know, he's a little bit taller version of Ahmad Wainwright who really specializes in finishing at the rim and getting rebounds. He's a high energy guy. He's going to give you some effort on defense, but his overall offensive skill set is really limited to finishing at the rim and grabbing offense boards. And then there's also been a lot of talk about us going after uh, different grad transfers or uh, traditional transfers. I know it sounds like we're in on a couple guys who want to leave Illinois. 
There's been some other rumors. So regardless, we're going to have to finalize that roster. So I, I want to ask you, Grant, if we are bringing in upwards of three people, who are going to who's going to leave to create those openings? Hmm. I mean, two people come to mind. First, Patrick probably. He didn't get much time. He didn't have much success on the court this year. Um, maybe Love? Love? I don't know. I mean, I hardly saw him at all. Somehow he snuck into the game against Loyola, the biggest game of the year. And from what I saw from him that game, I don't know how much room he's going to have to improve. Uh, he looked a, pretty lost out there. I know it's it's tough to get thrown out into an Elite Eight game when you're down by 15. But uh, And then lastly, what about Salah? Salah, is he, or is he already... What's his story? Salah is my number one guy on my list. I mean, de- uh, okay, if he's if he's like an option, then definitely Salah. Yeah. So the thing with Salah is he grad transferred in to uh, our great esteemed university, so he doesn't have to sit out wherever he goes. I think he is the number one guy to leave. If we aren't able to land Trice, if we're not able to land a, another transfer and no one else is asking to leave, then he is my number one because he can go anywhere that a university will take him. He doesn't have to sit out. It's the obvious answer. Mm-hmm. And then I agree with you. Patrick is the number two. Once you start getting to number three, gets a little hairy. Yeah, yeah. You, you then start ha- having to look, you know, is Cam Stokes going to try to grad transfer out? Does Mike McGurl really want to play behind those two and Cardi and we're bringing in other guards? Uh, do you look at Love as a big who hasn't been able to stay healthy, hasn't been able to get to the floor? Uh, you know, that's where you're going to have to start trying to really stretch and find that third person to transfer out. But as it stands right now, you know, I think you have two real easy ones. And then I think you just let the, the the chips fall where they may after that. Yeah, I have a hard time seeing Cam leaving for his senior season, and I also have a hard time seeing McGurl. Ah, McGurl's he's too valuable for, to us, I would think. I mean, he's he's too valuable of a future asset. I, I at least from what we've seen from him so far, even in his no. limited time, I would think that we would do anything we could to try to keep him around. I agree one hundred percent. And unlike some people on the boards on Twitter. I do not want to see Cam Stokes leave. I want to see what he can do going into an offseason healthy. I want to see how he can improve. And I agree 100%. If Mikey McGurl comes to Bruce and says, hey, I see you trying to recruit guard transfers. Hey, I see X, I see Y. I do not want him to leave under. no. We need to even, I would say, back off recruiting some other guards or trying to court guard transfers if it means he might leave. I agree with you. I think he is one that has three years of massive upside, and we need to do whatever we need to do to keep him around. I don't think he'll. I, I think he's got the stones enough to stick around and establish himself in the team. He's He's got, I mean, he has little experience, but I think he's gotten enough in the last few weeks just alone to kind of give us the idea that he's going to be around for a while. Cam, he'll be back too. I mean, I. it'd be nice having him healthy, and if, he might even be coming off the bench, but I think he'll be okay with that. I mean, I think he just wants to be a part of the team and make another run maybe, but we probably should move on. Number two, key to V, what do you got? 
I got develop a second vocal leader. I think Barry Brown has established himself as the number one leader on the court. He needs a lieutenant. I know a lot of people look and say, hey, what about Dean Wade? You know, I think he, he's a lead by example guy. I, I'm not saying he's not a leader, but I don't see him as one of the guys who is going to really be vocal on the court. And I think you need in today's college basketball game one or two of those type of guys to really be vocal. I would look for a guy like Cardi, maybe Mike McGurl. I would love to see X, someone to step up who isn't necessarily a senior, uh, who's going to leave and then you're kind of stuck with no leaders. I think Cam Stokes originally, before his injury happened, was that secondary vocal leader guy. Uh, but for whatever it was, he, he had to focus really on his rehab uh, to get back on the court. So, you know, I'm really hoping it does turn into Cardi or X as mm-hmm. that next vocal leader. I think that would you? be – I think that's probably the most likely candidates, um, particularly X. He seems like the kind of guy that is going to step into that role when Barry's gone. He's going to take over. It's going to be his team. And I think for – I think we do already have that second vocal leader in Dean. Um, you know, even when he was out injured, you could see him in every huddle talking to everyone. You could see him talking to the bigs, telling them what they needed to do. So I think we have that, that second vocal leader in Dean. Maybe he could step it up a notch. But when those guys are gone – I think it's important for us to have a guard step up because your guard's the floor general. Barry stepped up. He said, this is my team, and he's, I mean, he's not the primary ball carrier, but I think it seems like almost more beneficial when you have a guard that's a leader of the team because they're the leader on the floor, so kind of translates over. Um, other than that, I think what's what's the next key to V? Post, post-play? Yeah, post-play. I, I think especially – Improving and expanding upon the game that Mac Mayween started to find, and then also develop someone else behind him uh, because it was just non existent. And, and even with Mayween, I think a lot of people really key in and zero in on his big games, but he just went completely anonymous in far too many games this season. He also, he was the number two fowler in the Big 12 this past season. He needs to develop his footwork. He needs to learn how to play defense without fouling. He needs to try to find a way to be a more consistent presence on the court because he he just went missing far too often. And again, like I said. All right, sorry guys, we had some technical difficulties, so there might be a little weird, weird blip here, but Scott, take takeover again you were talking about uh how we need some post-play development yeah and you know it's not just expanding upon Mayween, making sure that he's more consistent and doesn't go missing but it's developing that second guy especially if Mayween can't find a way to stop fouling like crazy stalker needs to take a massive step i know so many people are excited about what they think he could project out and give us. I'm not necessarily that high on it. I would love to be wrong. I think you're really going to have to put, you know, some hope in Nigel Shad, who a lot of people, you know, are excited about a little bit more athleticism coming off the bench. I still am, I, you know, I think we differ here. I think Love has a game in a game that could really benefit us, if he could stay healthy through an offseason, I think he might be 
the number two guy that really comes through for us. Well, yeah, uh, he's got the size, certainly, yeah. Stay healthy, that's key. He, he had one big game in Big 12 play, and, you know, maybe I'm getting caught up in that one game and doing exactly what I said folks need to stop doing with Mac and zeroing in on that and not taking a big-picture approach. But I think he really might be the guy. And who knows, maybe, you know, in the transfer market, maybe Trice plays bigger than what I think he is, which I'll think I think he'll pr- predominantly be the number four and backup Dean. But, you know, you just got to find a little bit more production out of that five spot and a little bit more depth. Uh, so that's where I'm at there. I would agree. Once Mac went out, we really kind of just hit a wall. There was nothing there behind him. And if Mac wasn't producing in that game, then our, we were in trouble because we literally have no bigs. And Levi Stockard isn't even really all that big. He seems super undersized. He's not ultra quick. Um, we got a lot of developing to do, which I think I would think that those guys are in good hands with the coaching staff in terms of developing the development of players. So we'll see where it goes, but I think we're going to need to bring someone else in and run, run some dudes off next, yep. next key to V next key to V. And it, it, this is the only one that I have zeroed in predominantly on just one player. Uh, and it's, and it's Cardi. He, he was such a revelation. I love his game. I love so much about what he brings to our team. And I think, you know, he, he's one of the most key guys for not only success next year, but moving forward. But the number one thing he needs to do, he needs to improve taking care of the ball. I, I, I thought it in the back of my head, but when I looked it up, he had close to a one-to-one assist to turnover ratio. For your point guard, that is not good. He needs to really find a way to watch how he dribbles. I think too many times he was getting the ball swiped away from him. Uh, just giving up cheap turnovers, and that—that's you—you cannot have that from your point guard. And if you want to return to the elite eight, if you want to make noise in the Big Twelve, if you want to be seen as a team that can be a contender for great things, and that's not just next season, but that's moving forward. Because even after next year, when you see some of these guards leave in Cam and Barry, it's gonna be his show in the backcourt. I agree with you on basically everything that you said, but I'm going to take. We're going to need, yeah, we're going to need Cardi D to improve his game because we know what we can do and we want to get the best out of him. I'm going to take a different approach for my fourth key to V, and I'm going to say X. We need X to take that step, that next step because we've seen what he can do. We know he can be the guy that can drop 25 points. We could do, we could have. I mean, it was Dean this year. We're, we're saying everything needs to go through Dean every possession because Dean is just, you know, and he's such a player. He's so hard to guard. I want to see X take that next step. I want to see him take his game to that next level. I want him to improve his three-point shooting because we saw what he can do when he's when he's feeling it. But he's got the ability to get into the lane. He's got, his, he's got the ability to have a little mid-range game. He can defend. If X is, if we have the tournament X next season, we could legitimately legitimately make a run at the Big 12 regular season title. We're going to be really tough to play in, in the tournament. So I want to I want to see what X can do. I want to see if he can if he can fulfill that what I think he can do, that NBA type of player. I want to see what he can do. Could you imagine how dangerous we could be if X really made 
a big jump this offseason and if Cardi did so as well. We would be unreal. We would be so athletic. It would be crazy. Yeah, those two guys especially, they have the ability to run with anyone, to jump with anyone. Those two, if they figured it out, those are the type of next-level bodies that K-State hasn't always had. They've had some players, but you look back at it, some of them – you know, have been a little bit undersized. They could shoot the ball. They had all the intangibles, but they weren't quite athletic. Mm-hmm. If these two could make that exponential step, if they could really turn it up to the next level, they they could they can jump out of the gym. That it would it would be unreal. And if you told me right now that those two would make a you know a thirty percent increase to what they were able to give you. I would, I would legitimately say we could look KU eye-to-eye next year, and that's even with that outstanding recruiting class they're bringing in. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I just don't know if, if we're going to get both of them, let alone either one of them, to make as big of a jump as I'd like to see. But, you know, time will tell. And, uh, you know, those two are two guys to watch moving forward. And then my last key to V for the offseason, you have to get that first 2019 commit to verbal or sign on in the early signing period. We have a crazy offer list out right now. If you look up and down the rivals top 150, you see so many guys with K-State offers. And because we've put most of our focus on that recruiting class instead of 2018, we've been able to make inroads on some guys that we usually aren't even able to get in the door on. Uh, you know, I hope maybe later on in the offseason we could get some of the rival rivals guys on. Derek Young maybe to give us a little taster of uh, what he reports on every day over at that site. But if you look, if you look at it, there, there's a lot of talk that we could be bringing in three or four rivals top 150 guys. If you can get that first guy to commit, I think that's only going to help bring in some of these other elite talents that could really change the trajectory of the program moving forward. I agree. Let's recruit better. I'm into that. I don't have much to, I don't have much to say there. I mean, get those, get those big recruits in. I like that we're doing it early because that does open up an avenue, but you know, and and then there's not, not only some of those guys, but there's so much talent in the St. Louis and Kansas city region that we've just been going after relentlessly. I, I got to think that we can pull in at least one of those guys and, you know, move on from there. Uh, all in all, I've, it's been a long time since I've been so excited to follow the development of a recruiting class. It seems like we're really trying to stack up on guards too, which I like because basketball's changing. It's a guard game now, but we look pretty solid in terms of, I mean, if we can lock up some of those guards that we're um, recruiting now, our guard play is going to be nice for the next several years. I mean, we got. I'm, I'm super. I'm super looking forward to uh, the McGurl and Cardi D partnership. I think that that has a lot of ridiculous potential. Yep, I agree. Well, that wraps up uh, my five keys to V. If you guys have any ma- major points that you want to see the basketball program take on this off season, tweet them at us. You know my. Uh, uh, a couple of our answers from the last full pod. They got a little bit of chatter on social media. So tell us we're idiots. Tell us we're the smartest people in the world. You know, we, we have thick skin. 
Uh, but if you're going to do it, come, come, come with your own ideas. Don't just, don't just call us ass for no reason, uh, whether that may or may not be true. Uh, so I think we're going to – We're going to take uh, a break here, and then yeah. we'll be up next with uh, Mr. KSU underscore fan. Yep, thanks for tuning in. And, uh, you know, s- stick around because we're really excited to have probably the best intellectual mind amongst K-State Twitter join us on this podcast so it's it's gonna be it's gonna be great well thanks for listening to the first half stay tuned for the second half where we get our first guest ever on the show it's gonna be a good one we'll be right back Okay, we are recording now. Okay, we're good. In. Seems to be good. Yeah, I'm good. All right, we've got KSU underscore fan here, the man, the myth, the legend, the creator of the Octagon <laughs> of Doom. How's it going, man? Pretty good. Pretty good. Doing well. Welcome to the show. So we've got a glad to be here. We've got a little things, a few things planned out that we want to talk to you about. So I guess we'll just we'll just get it started. Um, I'll hand it over to you. You want to go season review and give us a give us a season grade. Season grade. I think I would probably go B plus A minus. I See think, that's oh, go ahead. I think there's so many good things. You got the lead eight, you got a, a solid record, you beat almost all the teams you're supposed to. But then not getting through the top three in the league probably is going 0-7 would be the main detriment that may drop me to a B plus. See, I like where you came in on your grade. Uh, but for me, I, I, I could not bring myself to say less than an A. For me, for better or worse, if you're not going to compete for the Big 12 title, if you can make it to an elite eight, then that's about as good as it can get for me. I, I, I just can't, I couldn't bring myself to go lower, but I, I 100% am on board with you. It would have been so nice to steal at least one of those seven versus the big three this year. Yeah. Not, not being any of the big three is frustrating, but in the grand scheme of things at the end of the year, does that really matter all that much? No. Um, the elite eight really kind of, Kind of boosted us up there towards the end. I'd probably give it an A minus, though. Um, we certainly overachieved. Um, picked picked eighth in the conference, and I honestly thought we would win like less than twenty games. So I can't give us less than an A or an A minus. But I think that's fair. Um, season fan, review. where did you have? Well, before we get into that, fan, where did you have us finishing coming into this year? Were you a little more bullish than most of the public? Yeah, I, th- I think. I think I had us probably at nine and nine in the league, and I I would guess one or I can't remember for sure one or two losses in the non conference. So, so yeah, so we beat even what you were expecting. Yes, yes, that's fair. Definitely, I I think I was just probably just down on down on Bruce. I was still in my in my extreme anti Bruce phase coming into the season, so I was almost like a. Just I had that cloud of negativity over me. 
<laughs> I didn't see any well, of the positives going into it, but obviously I was wrong. Honestly, with losing a one-do in DJ, there's some merit for that. I mean, I thought maybe one of the two – one guy would step up and be all league, but I wasn't sure two guys would step up and be all league like Barry and Dean both did. And I think I've always kind of looked at it as if you've, if you've got two – all league second first team caliber players, you're going to be an upper half team more than likely. And I wasn't sure that we had two this year. No, I didn't think we had two at all. I thought maybe if Dean could kind of come out of the shell a little bit, but I'm actually, I'm actually more impressed with Barry this season than Dean. I mean, he put together some pretty darn good scoring games that I didn't think Barry had in him. And obviously his defense defensive ability is just outrageous. So I'm excited to see what they can do going further um scott you got anything else yeah i I think when you look back on just a macro level season review i did not expect to see the type of jump from both barry and dean and see some of the supporting actors come up as frequently as you did we never had that consistent third guy but throughout the season, we saw probably three or four different ones. Early on through the non-con, it was Cam. Then in Big 12 play, you saw Cardi. You saw X. You had Mac for a couple games. I, Under no circumstances did I think we would see a supporting third character cycle through like that. And I think that's a great sign for the team moving forward. Yeah, yeah. I, I would. I would definitely. I would definitely agree with that, too. All right, um, moving on. Let's talk about Bruce a little bit and where he stands. Obviously, we don't need to touch on Pitt anymore because they filled that position. But, Fan, where were you about um, on Bruce going into the season, and where are you now? I was – I was. he had to make the tournament. was kind of my, my, my lowest kind of – lowest expectation for this season, make the tournament, and I'll be okay with where we're at. So making the tournament, being a little bit above a bubble team, and then obviously the run to the lead eight pushes him up a, several notches in my book from where he was going into the season. And then, you know, I've, I've said several places, um, even last year after we got beat by Oklahoma and Oklahoma State back-to-back, I was, I was done again with Bruce. But he didn't have to finish the year last year to get to the tournament. And then this year – going above what I expected, of course, the NCAA tournament puts him in pretty, pretty weird. Yeah, I can't disagree with you at all right there. As anyone who has ever followed me on social media for any moment in time knows how hot and cold I can be. I, I'm a roller coaster. There is no in-between for me. <laughs> I was ready to – just I, I was I, I you know I've been a part of the burn it down crew from the day they announced uh, the hiring. There's a sink story that we might get into <laughs> later 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 into the summer possibly, but uh, it, I think this is the first time since the LaSalle loss that I've been truly on board. I'm a ride or die guy uh, with Bruce for at least the next couple seasons. I. I unless we see some sort of drastic underachievement next year, I don't see any scenario where I fall back to burn it down again. And that feels so good. It was so exhausting <laughs> to 
constantly be like that. And I don't understand how there are still way more people than I expected <laughs> on Twitter who are still fighting that fight. Uh, Grant, what uh, you've battled with people on Twitter, fan. I've even seen you get into the fray. <laughs> how, how is this still possible? I don't know. I mean, I get it. I, I get the not. I get the hate for Bruce, but it's like at this point, after after this season, you know what we had, the squad that we took to the Elite Eight. It's like, I mean, what else do you want? You guys gotta you gotta get on board at some point, and you're supporting. Like I said in one of the last episodes, you know, you're supporting the school and the university and the players. You don't ha- necessarily have to love the coach, but bringing that toxic negativity constantly and just moaning constantly about the coach it it does create a a toxic atmosphere so i mean you want the university to do well not the coach so just start just start supporting him and see what 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 is it going to hurt i mean if we bought him out again then okay then anti-bruce i get it but how can you not be on a high right now we just went to the elite eight i don't i just don't understand yeah I, i think again it goes both ways with with especially with college coaches they become bigger than the program. And sometimes that's a positive. I think, you know, most in most of the cases with Frank, him being bigger than the program was, was a good thing. But with Bruce, it was a bad thing. Yeah. And I think most people, there's still people that can't get past all those negative things. And you guys had the same ones. I had a lot of the same feelings toward him over the last three or four years, especially where it's tough to get past that. And I think, Eventually, you decide: Am I a K-State basketball fan, or am I an anti-Bruce fan? Basically, and I reached a point where I said I, I, I enjoy K-State basketball too much. And even last year, beating Wake Forest in a in a play-in game was a lot of fun. It was like it's it's there's too much energy wasted trying not to be a fan to do this. And so I had to make the decision: Hey, I'm going to be a a K-State basketball fan, whether I like Bruce a lot or not, just like you guys said. And that's kind of where I came from eventually. And then this year, going above and beyond, I've said multiple times on message boards and stuff, he becomes the goofy, awkward coach that is our coach after a while. Not, I like our team, and then he's just kind of the guy that's on the sideline. So that's kind of an interesting thing that happens with college coaches, I think. So where do we stand do you with think him? That this Sorry, is... go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. All right. Uh, I just want to talk about his contract <laughs> and what we think, you know, what he deserves. What does he merit an ex- like a hefty extension or what? What is he sitting at now? I mean, what? I think know. he's sitting at two million, two and a half million. Year wise, yeah, what's he at? He's he through three, three more it, years left. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. So I think he's done enough to warrant an extension and I you know I would go as far as saying hey give him have him be on contract for five years and maybe even bring him up to three million dollars a year with escalators that's where I would feel comfortable giving him an extension in a perfect world I'd like to keep that buyout about where it is I don't know how realistic that is when it comes to contract negotiations but I'm not going to be someone who is I'm not on the fence. If Gene Taylor wants to give him that type of an extension, I would have zero issue with that. Yeah, I would, I would say I'm, I'm for an extension at least through 23, 24, 25, just because 
and I don't know how much a difference it makes, but the optics of recruiting saying to the 2019 class, which we're, you know, we're on some pretty good kids, a bunch of top 150 kids to be able to go to them and say, Hey, my contract runs through your career at K-State. I think that matters at least a little bit. And then the money part, I think at least, you know, a token, he's at, he's at 2.15 this year. He's, he's going to be 2.25 next year. So I could see raising that a half a million. So he's at 2.75 next year. And then I, I agree with a bunch of incentives built into the contract and keeping the buyout reasonable so that both parties are kind of happy with that. I would agree with both of you. I think there's, look, there's lots of negatives that you can pick about Bruce, but looking at the coaching job he did this year with the development of players and, you know, losing two of our, maybe not best players, but at least two of our leaders at crucial times and watching how we weathered the storm there and made a, made a nice run in the NCAA tournament. You gotta, you gotta give them props. You gotta give the coaching staff props, watch them prep for those K, that KU game and the uh, Creighton game. Some of the better, better coaching prep plans I've seen in a long time. So, I mean, I, I, th- I think he deserves a nice extension. So I think we can, can we move on? We good. Yeah, I want to get fans' uh, opinion on something. In an earlier segment of this podcast, Grant and I both touched on what we feel a need is to really (laughs) see a development out of the post, out of Cardi, and Mm -hmm. out of uh, Xavier Sneed. I know you are are the go-to guy when it comes to stats for both football and basketball. What type of upside – and potential do you think we could see from predominantly those three players going from their sophomore to junior and then freshman to sophomore year under Bruce and how he's, you know, developed talent since he's been here? Well, I'll start with Jada because I think he, and I don't know if he has the skill set. I said, I post on K-State online a lot and contribute a little bit there. One of the things I said is in in a thread was, uh, when I looked at Kentucky's point guard, uh, Gilgis Alexander, there's a little bit – Cardi doesn't have the skill set, but watching him play is like that's my dream for Cardi is that big six four six five fluid point guard that can create. And I'm not sure if he's going to ever be quite the creator point guard, but definitely getting to the rim, getting to the lane, getting to the foul line are things that he can do. Um, and – Looking at his stats, uh, he had a 1.04 efficiency in Big 12 play, which is better, actually. Barry, I think, was like a .99 or .98. Cam was a point. So that's what I compare him to uh, in kind of equal minutes. So seeing him rise up to to being – a score that gets 10 points a game efficiency of 1.1 maybe next year would be pretty awesome. I think that's achievable for him. Um, Mac was so up and down. He ended up the season with a 1.11 efficiency. Of course, bigs end up usually with a better efficiency because they don't handle the ball and have as many turnovers. Um, in big 12 play, it dropped to 1.02. So obviously he had a few more issues in big 12 play and wasn't quite as efficient, but, um, the biggest thing with Mac is I'd like to see him be a better rebounder 
and get along the boards a little bit more and uh, be a little bit more bigger contributor, especially on the defensive end. I've, I've kind of come to the conclusion after reading some stuff that offensive rebounding has dropped in college basketball a lot, even the last couple of years. It used to be the average 10 years ago was about 35% offensive rebound percentage, and now it's in the upper 20s, 28%. So it's, it's something teams don't do nearly as much anymore. So getting on the defensive boards is still big because you do have those teams that still emphasize it. Do you think uh, the lack of offensive rebounding in college basketball is a testament to the get-out-and-run, pop-and-shot, get-back-and-play defense style yes. that we've seen the evolution come to? Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a mirror of the NBA where you have so many stretch fours, four-guard lineups almost, even, even though some of those guards are 6'6", six, 6'8", six, six, almost. So you see – guys that used to be rebounders and get putbacks playing outside around the three-point line. So you just don't have people in the lane anymore. And then I know Popovich, I read an article even today about it. Popovich is a big advocate of getting people back and stopping transition points because if you can stop in the NBA, those 10 to 15 transition points per game in college is probably more like 8 to 10 transition points per game. If you stop that, and you take away those easy points and make people work their offense to score, it makes sense. It's logical as a coach to say, hey, we'll, we'll concede offensive boards. We may send one guy to the, to the rim, and we're going to send four guys back. And so I think part of us as K-Staters is we got so used to Frank sending four guys and rebounding 40% of our missed shots that that's kind of what we think basketball is because that's we were good at it. But – it takes a, a kind of a logical shift for us to say, hey, maybe you can win playing basketball other ways. And I, and I think that's part of almost what has caused Bruce to have a little bit of a learning curve or our fans have a learning curve with Bruce because it is such yes. a different style. But I will say this. I think the tenacious defense we saw this year is part of the reason why you saw some more fans start to buy in. Definitely. And and the funny thing was, I think that everyone wants attempts to Jada and Cam, and when they switch happens, and I don't want to get into a big Cam debate because I see those too much. But the biggest thing I think is we became a much better defensive team when Jada started playing, simply because he's such a bigger, stronger guard, and we could guard people differently than we did when we had Cam. And you're right, we became the defense in the tournament the first three games especially, the defense in the Big 12 tournament and even down the stretch in the Big 12 was was tough defense that we kind of K-State fans expect no matter who the coach is. And I think seeing that toughness, especially on the defensive end, was something that helped people buy into to this team and, and, and Bruce as a coach. I agree. Good points. <laughs> um, and, then, and then just – I, I, I'm just curious, before we move on, sure. uh, you, you touched on uh, two of the three players. What, what do you think X's future has for him for oh. that big sophomore to junior jump? Man, I, I, yeah, I'd, it'd be, be bad of me to leave out who I consider our best pro prospect on the team. Um, I, I see X making a big, a big jump maybe next year. I, I think he could – and, that, and the dynamics of how this will work, since we have Barry and Dean already, and then 
trying to figure out what to do with Cam and even Cardi X, I think has the potential to be a all Big 12 second teamer next year at minimum. I mean, I think he could be that good. Um, if he can figure out consistency in his shot and balancing when to get to the rim, I mean, he already had the third best our team for this season, 1.10. Uh, the biggest thing that dropped for him is he his scoring rate went down quite a bit. He played about 30% of the minutes last year. He played about 80% of the minutes this year. And so scoring went down, but his, his numbers, points per game, went up to 11. So the, he can obviously score it. He's, he's become a much more efficient rebounder, and he did that kind of as the season went along. And so when I look at his, his skill set of being able to shoot it, being able to rebound it, and then just being an explosive athlete, number one, I think he's a future pro. And number two, he, he could be our second, third best player clearly next year, not kind of hop in between our third, fourth, fifth best player like he did this year. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. I, I had a tweet that went off during the Kentucky game. I said, and it was a little bit of tongue-in-cheek, but I, you know, it might not be that far off. I thought he looked like the I would agree with you. Yeah, I remember seeing that. Yeah, I believe X has a chance to he's, – he's our legit, I mean, X factor, no pun intended, for next year. Um, he could take us to if – if we get the X that – if we get any even in between X's peak and you know his average, the the type of performance I would say his peak is the type of performance that he put again put in against Kentucky probably. But if we can get if he can channel that even occasionally and just get some consistency going, we could legit make a decent run in the conference next year and even in the tournament. All right, so let's move yeah. on to we got a couple more things. Fan, what are your expectations for next year? What do you think will be preseason going into it? How do we avoid the pitfall of, of that hype? Um, and how do you think we'll finish? Well, first, I think minimum, I, I go to Big 12 wins first. Okay. I think we should big team. Minimum. That would be my low end. Um, so that, that would almost any year, if you look back at the Big 12, that's going to put you second or third. Um, I think KU will be picked to win the league. They've got, you know, especially if Newman comes back and they've got all these transfers coming in and they can recruit and self can recruit and he's the best coach in the league. So I, I can handle being picked second behind KU, but we should be picked second or third in the league. Um, hopefully we, we have a stronger non-conference and come out of the non-conference with maybe one loss, two at the most. And if we play a really tough schedule, which I don't see us playing a super tough schedule. Um, so I, I see moving up quite a bit as far as where we in the season. And I'm hoping going into the tournament next year, we're a four or five seed at, at worst. And so that's, that's kind of my baseline for as I, where I look at next year. I would love to see a season like that. I think I, I I'm going to allow myself to dream at least for a little bit of saying, Hey, you know, why not 13, 14, give KU a run, maybe go after a two or three seed. But I think what you laid out is the perfect expectations to go into that season. And then, you know, once you get in, maybe allow yourself to dream a little bit. Yeah, I'd I'd like to see us mid-February be within a game of first place. Sort of like Texas Tech this year before 
Evans got injured. I mean, they were in first, but we should be in that position. West Virginia was this year where we're legitimate contenders and people look at us as contenders to win the league next year. We may not win it, but we need to be a contender. I think we've got too much coming back to not expect that. And then I think the, the, the thing people relate to was 2011 K state when we were picked to win the league, we had pulling back, we had Samuels back, we had all these guys back, but we missed Clemente and we even missed guys like Merriweather on that team a lot more than I think we, we expected. And unless one of these other guys leaves, we don't, we shouldn't have that issue next year. So that to me um, gives me a little more confidence that we're not going to have that kind of drop off. Not that 2011 was a terrible season, but again, we were picked to win the league and we didn't. Yeah. I'd say we really missed Dom Sutton too. Nobody here. Yes. That was a huge loss for us. Um, I forgot about him. I think, you know, going into next year, there's no, there's no reason why we can't, you know, compete for the regular season title, but you got to win league titles. You got to have consistency, and that's something we've really struggled with in the last few years. I know that we haven't been as good as we were this year, but I'd like to see us at least play with some consistency, beat the teams that we need to beat, beating the teams that we should beat, like we did this year. But we're gonna have to steal, steal some big wins. We're gonna have to probably split with KU. It's been too long since we've beaten KU. Um, I'm gonna say we'll probably win. I think we'll go 12 and six or so, take third, maybe maybe 13 and five, take second, but. I gotta give the gotta give the title to KU at this point until I until I see otherwise. <clears throat> yeah, I would agree with that. And yeah, four or five seed that's not that's not terrible. I'd take that. I mean, if that if that's what I'm given today as my option, I would I would love that. But hopefully we can beef up, beef up our non-con a little bit and maybe improve our seed a little bit better than that. Shoot for a three or something. Um, yeah. All right, I, that pretty much concludes that. I think we got some a couple of questions that we want to answer with you. Um, Scott, do you have those? Yep. I have the ask Bosco questions of the week. We got good ones centering around basketball that we're extremely happy to have fan on for this first one came through before our very first episode. And it, it was probably the best question we got. It comes from our old high school buddy at Mike Murray. KS and it goes does this tournament run vindicate John Curry's decision to keep Bruce and not pursue Brad Underwood after the collapse season ooh that's a good question it's a great yeah, question so, uh, when, when this when this question initially came through it was before the Kentucky game Mm-hmm. And I, I I remember talking to Grant at his house and said, hey, I'm not sure where I fall on this, but if we lose to Kentucky, I'm going to no, it does not. Uh, seeing that we beat Kentucky, lost to Loyola, I, I, I'm a little bit more on the fence. I think that it's hard to go back and project out what Brad Underwood could have done with that clean slate, uh, if you're talking about after the Marcus Foster collapse, you don't know what type of players he's going to bring in at that last moment to rebuild the roster. You don't know how he would coach up the guys that we currently had. Uh, as we're sitting here right now going into next season, I would almost say, hey, John, you made the correct decision. Uh, you know, I think that's probably where I land 
uh, I'm interested to hear where you two land on that question. Go ahead, Sam. Yeah, I mean, some of it is, I'm, I'm sure my opinion is going to be a little bit um, influenced by what Brad has done the last two years. And last year at Oklahoma State, they stunk for the first half of the season. And then partially because he had he had a great point guard and he had Carroll, who's going to be a pro, and he had another experienced shooting guard, they turned it around. This year we went to Illinois and he had, I don't know how many, four or five-star players, several top 100 players, and they were awful. And the Big Ten was awful. So I'm not sure – Brad would have had us at a higher place right now than we are right now with Bruce. Um, for I mean, f- for sure he hasn't been perfect with the roster development over the last since the rebuild. Um, I think you know Mac came away this year, but the five spot was still a mess at times. Um, they overcame the issue, the injury to Cam, a lot better than you would have ever anticipated. Uh, so Jada became a good player. McGurl stepped in and you know, maybe won us the Creighton game in some ways because he gave us some 17 points that weren't expected. But um, I look at it and say, you know, there's a lot to say that there is some vindication of um, being patient with a coach sometimes can work. And what they did with this rebuild, they did a good job of. And it's hard to deny that for me right now. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, thinking back about when – you know, the Brad hype was going on. It's just, it's impossible to obviously say whether or not he would have su- succeeded at K-State. You can look through the, just like, well, hypothetically, he's just seemed like such a perfect fit, seemed like the right guy. All the fans were wanting him. A lot of fans would have backed him, but you never know if it would have worked out. Look what he's doing now. Look what he's done in the last two years. I mean, he's struggled. And I think a lot of, I could be wrong, but I've. it seems like I keep seeing that not only did he he struggled at Illinois with all that talent, but he's losing a lot of players too. I've seen a couple yeah. of tweets about like four or five guys are, are transferring out of Illinois. So maybe you just don't coach in Illinois. But um, <clears throat> I mean, you got to say at this point, John made the correct decision, or at least it's vindicated that Bruce is still here and he didn't hire Brad. Because, I mean, look what Bruce has done. He's he's stabilized the program. He's got us going forward. We've got a heck of a roster coming in next year. And now it looks like we actually have some talent on the on the radar that are interested in coming. So, I mean, I got to give it to got to give it to the snake John Curry for for deciding to weather the storm <laughs> with Bruce. Yes. Um, what's the next uh, question? Uh, I believe you have those. You want to. Well, Maybe it I came from uh, your brother, so if you want to, uh, oh, shoot. If you want to give can... your brother a shout out. Let me see if I can track her down. Um, this is from C Planned Ten, and the question is: most underappreciated cat basketballer in the present area, or sorry, era in the present era, Bob Huggins to now. Most underappreciated cat basketballer in the present era. I'll let you guys start it off. Scott, you start off. Yeah, so this one I'm very passionate about because uh, he was one of my favorite players while I was in college, and I don't think he got nearly enough love uh, that he deserved, and that's Thomas Gibson. Mm -hmm. I look at some of the fanfare that was around 
DJ Johnson and uh, some of the fanfare around some of the other guys who I didn't think uh, had the career that Thomas Gibson did. He came in as a freshman. He contributed all four years. Not too many players had a thousand points and 700 rebounds like he did. I thought that there were some iconic moments that he was a part of. The flex uh, with Shane Southwell, the Miss Holly Rowe helping her up and down off the table after a KU win, just sweating through his uniform game in, game out, putting it all out there for the Cats. And nothing hurts my heart quite as much as seeing his senior season just go to waste because uh, he was a part of that team that just collapsed, that we had so much high hopes with. And uh, I think he's a guy that doesn't get enough love from K-State fans from this uh, post-Bob Huggins era. So that's where my heart's at. If anyone wants to uh, tell me I'm wrong, feel free to come at me on Twitter, but I'll, <laughs> I'll defend that for the rest of my life. So I think that's a pretty good shout. Fan, who do you got? Boy, I was kind of going back and forth. Um, one I'll throw out there that had some pretty good seasons early, Bruce, was Nino Williams. Ooh, great yeah. shout-out. That was my second I mean, guy. He he was, you know, he he did some scoring. He fit in well. He was kind of almost between him and Shane kind of shared that first stretch four spot for Bruce. Um, and did a lot of nice things, especially that, that second season. Um, Nino was a really good player for us and did, did some really nice things, led us in efficiency that year. And so I'm, I'm going to go with Nino as, as my underrated player. I think he also benefited more than almost any player from the switch from mm-hmm. Frank to Bruce. That's a good shout-out. As well, his sadly his or his career kind of ended in the same way as Gibson did, where the yes. wheels kind of fell off, and he was the only one that seemed like he was doing anything. I felt really bad for him his senior year because he was visibly both, pissed off both every of those, game. It seemed like. both of those two. I felt bad for those two. Yeah, this is hard. I honestly forgot about this question, so uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with Jo. I'm going to go with <laughs> Jo, uh, leading blocker of all time at the at the school. Had a great senior season. Went out sadly against LaSalle, and I think he had his best game of his of his season or senior season that that night. I just you know I gotta love Jo. He really he really uh, improved from just like an extremely awkward, extremely awkward guy who couldn't shoot for anything to a pretty pretty decent force down low. I mean, could get boards, hell of a blocker. And once he got confident in his senior season, he was dunking tons so I'll, I'll give it to J.O. that's my yeah he was good and he's my adorable he's my number one adorable cat I've changed he was good yeah and <laughs> you, you gotta also love the old videos of him beatboxing on the door and yeah you know he he really <laughs> was he really did have a lot of great moments that when you think back at this modern rebirth era of K-State basketball he actually pops up more than you probably would expect that uh but if you sorry go ahead I was going to say, if you, if you have anything about J.O., go ahead, because I was about to lead into our final question. Uh, I was going to say, just him, his class, like that class is just constantly hyping, hyping K-State. They're always watching like every game and tweeting about it, like him and Irving yes. and all those guys. But anyways, yeah, go on to the next yeah. last question. 
He he also had 17 points and 12 rebounds in his last game. Yeah, LaSalle, he went K-State. off that game. Yes. Yeah, I and you know what? Shout J.O., if you're ever listening to this, shout out. You can come onto the pod whenever you want. <laughs> Slide into the DMs, tweet me. You can <laughs> you can take my spot. You can host the show if you want. So yeah. uh, I it, it would be awesome if he somehow heard this. But if we want to talk about the rebirth of – K-State basketball, probably one of the five names that would come up is Jacob Poland. And our final question comes from good old Chuck James 919 on Twitter. And he asked, what was your favorite Jacob Poland EMA moment of all time? I will grant. Do you want to kick us off? Sure. This is so hard to answer, though. I mean, I've I'm so torn, but... I'll just go with uh, the night that he broke out of his shell, and when we beat KU for the first time, he had 20 points. Um, I was there. I was in attendance, and I just remember being like, oh, my God, Jacob Pullen. Finally, we have a good guard who can get to the bucket. He had, I think he had 10 free throws that night, too. He kept kept getting fouled, and he was 10 for 10 from the line. So I'll go with that. That, that was a great night. I'll never forget it. Obviously, there's a million other Pullen moments, but – I'm going to go with the the breaking of the streak. Fan, what about you? What's your favorite Jacob Pullen moment? By far, 38 points against Kansas. <laughs> we destroyed them yeah. yep. at home. My favorite, one of my favorite K-State basketball games I've ever attended was watching us kill KU, which is not something we did. I've done very much ever, and it was because Poland went off. And Scott and I awesome. have a Scott and I were there sitting next to each other that night, and we have a really great gif from it. We're on the video board <laughs> yep, during sandstorm, is... and uh, it's great. Yep, that is the LGF uh, gif. <laughs> LFG, LFG. <laughs> yeah, excuse me, LFG. <laughs> see, we're gonna well, have to. I don't know you're why gonna have to tweet I, that out I, after I, this. I will. Yes, I'll, I'll tweet I want to see out. that one. It's yeah, amazing. I will tweet it out with the uh, link when this goes live. Uh, LFG. It was. It was a great moment back when they played Sandstorm and they were putting us on the big screen. And you, I have great diction, so you, they, everyone in the house knew exactly <laughs> what I was saying. Uh, before before I get to mine, I, I'm just going to shout out a couple, a uh, couple fun little moments. The I will not play in the NIT. Mm-hmm. I will love that. Yes, it came. It came in a horrible, horrible time. Uh, you know, no one, no one liked where that season was going. But you know, there were times this season where I was just begging and pleading for something like that from one of the guys. That's a moment that I think will people don't always think of when you think of Jacob Pullen, but that's something that will always endear me to him. Uh, from his freshman year, it was from KSNT. Uh, 27, the video of him dunking on like a five foot goal <laughs> while they're while they're interviewing Bill mm-hmm. Walker and Michael yes, Beasley. That was good. Just, I remember that. <laughs> oh, just just a, an amazing, uh, just, just an amazing, adorable well, moment. Go and, ahead. And I've got, and I'd be remiss that the, the Xavier game. I mean, oh, of course. I mean, yeah. that's that's kind of like my one B to that KU game. I mean, KU's KU, but that. That Xavier game is kind of – I'd say Kentucky this year and Xavier were my favorite two NCAA tournament games ever. I'm, yeah, I, my, yeah. 
My, my next honorable mention was going to be every single Gus Johnson call <laughs> from Jacob Poland. He's in shape, Poland straight away. Just all of that. Like it it doesn't get better than that rewatching that game. It's uh, true. But my number one moment, and it's something that I teared up in the student section when I saw when he got subbed out for the last time. Mm-hmm. He went Kiss midcourt, kiss the floor, it, oh, kiss the power yeah. cat, and that's something that you know. I I think that anytime an incoming basketball player, you know, is getting ready for his first practice, I would have some sort of hype video that takes you through the history of the program, all the greats, the passion of the fans, the tenacity of the teams. But the last image I would want any Cade athlete to see before they take the field or court uh, practice for the first time is Jacob Pullen doing that and I, you know, just embodying everything that is emo. Uh, I cried too. I, I remember I was there. Getting, I, I cried. <laughs> getting goosebumps just thinking about it. But uh, that so that's that's my number one moment. But you know we could probably have an entire podcast <laughs> talking about Jacob Pullen. Yeah, we easily definitely could. definitely. Uh, so I think that's uh, those are all the Ask Bosco questions that we have this week. I want to give a special special thank you to KSU underscore fan on Twitter. You can find them on the two greatest K State websites on the internet. GoEma.com and our buddies at K State Online. Uh, fan, is there anything you want to say before uh, we sign off? I appreciate you guys having me on here. I'm happy to be on anytime with you guys talking K State sports. And uh, it was a fun season. It's fun to reflect on it with you guys and talk about it. And uh, hopefully next year we can have an end of the season podcast that's even better. It was great having you on. We appreciate it. We'll definitely have you on again, Thank too. You. Yep, and uh, you're not just a basketball savant. You, you do some very good work when football season comes around as well. Well, thank you. Yeah, I'd, I'd be happy to talk football, too. Yep, the time will come, and we hope to have you again. Yeah, I think that football is Scott and I's bread and butter. So, All right, we gotta, we got to sign off uh, before this app crashes and the phone <laughs> explodes because we're having some problems here. Um, Perfect. Fan's been great. Hey, follow him on Twitter, guys, KSU yep. underscore fan. All right, guys. Thanks, guys. See ya. Mm -hmm. Sign off. All right. Well, Fan is gone now. Special shout-out to him because he's the man. Definitely want to get him back on the pod. He was great. Yeah, I hope, uh, you know, especially once we figure out all this fun technology, the Russians hacked us a couple times. Yeah, uh, but <laughs> I, I hope I hope during football season and then when basketball comes back around, I hope Fan is a reoccurring guest. Uh, he's great. Again, if you haven't followed him, it's at KSU underscore Fan on Twitter. He's putting out all these advanced stats. He puts out all these metrics. He's the best analytical K State sports follow, and I don't think it's close. He's also responsible for creating the Octagon of Doom. So thank you for, yeah. thank you for that, sir. That might be uh, something that we dive in with him the next time. But uh, another special shout-out to Casual Animal Brewing Company. Again, they're the newest brewery down in the Crossroads District. 
uh, here in Kansas City, Missouri. Give them a uh, you know a visit to their tap room. They got beers to go. They have a full portfolio. If you go in there, uh, let them know you heard about them on Bosco's Boys podcast. Yeah, they're they're good. I, I really like that beer tonight. So, guys, next next episode we'll have next week is going to be a full Q and A podcast. So, send in your questions. You can ask whatever you want. K State sports or other miscellaneous stuff. That's just for fun. But the whole podcast is going to be all your questions, and we're going to answer them. Yep. So, uh, if you if you want to have fun with us, be sure to use the hashtag at Bo- or ask Bosco. And that's Bosco with an E at the end. Remember, it's the original mascot, not the Dean of Student Life. Uh, it's it's going to be fun. Uh, it, give us K-State sports, pro sports, nothing to do with sports, beer, social issues, politics, anything. <laughs> you'll 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 see us you'll see us on social media asking for your questions. Uh, but you know you you can get a head start. By getting it, uh, getting it rolling after you listen to this, remember hashtag Ask Bosco. It's going to be fun. I'm, I'm really looking forward to doing that pod. We might need to uh, might need to double up the uh, beer of the pod if it's going to be a long and fun one. So we might might double up the beer. I'm ready for it. Anything else? Nope. I just uh, want to thank everyone. It's this is our second full episode. Uh, be sure to let us know what you think. Rate, review, subscribe. Uh, leave us a message in our uh, reviews. Uh, you know, if we let's let's play a little game. Uh, if you have iTunes in the review, tell us who your most underrated cat in the post Bob Huggins era in the comments with a five star review. And uh, who knows if you do that, you might. You might get a little surprise prize. You never know. Yes, we will actually have some some some, some prizes that we're going to be giving out later in the year. Um, all right, that pretty much wraps it up. Uh, special shout out again to KSU underscore fan. Follow him on Twitter. I'm Grant underscore KSU, and Scott Wildcat is with me. Thanks, guys. Yep, love you. Go Cats. Bye. Podcast Network.